Greetings, constant listeners. It's Jen Garbage Truck Adams. What you're about to hear is a clip from the newest installment of our archive series, where we unearth and examine King's early or hard-to-find publications. In this episode, we dig into the column he wrote for his college newspaper, King's Garbage Truck. We'll examine the genesis of the column and unpack entries from the spring of 1969. How do you hear the full episode? Become a member of our Patreon, The Barons. There you can unlock over 100 hours worth of exclusive content, which includes our episode on the King Connections and Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass, our Dark Tower Detour series, over a dozen commentaries on Stephen King's movies, weekly minisodes like Randall and Mel's Month of Halloween Hell, and even monthly hangouts over Zoom. You can subscribe now through the link in the description of this episode, or you can visit www.patreon.com slash thebarons. Hope to see you there over long days and pleasant nights. Well, the thing that I, I noticed in these earlier notes, or, or notes, uh, or in these earlier publishings for him is that it has that sort of desperation, no pun intended, of, uh, you know, of, of being a young writer that finally has a platform. Like, cause yeah. I, if, if there's anything that I can relate to, and I think any of us can relate to, especially when we first get a platform is there's this sort of, um, testing of the waters that happens in which you are, you're not only are you just so relieved that you have this, but you're not really, you don't have the conviction that you would when you realize, when you just get used to it, you know, like mm-hmm. when you're like, Oh, I have this. Okay. Well, you know, it's another week, another editorial, I'm just going to pour myself into this as much as I can and let the voice take over. But in those early days, when you first get in, you really are so like in awe, like this guffawing and it comes through in your writing. Like I, I just, I imagine if I look back at some of the first things I ever got published, it's probably sort of this like, awe of like, Oh, this is it. This is, I'm in the writing and you can kind of see it in some of King's earliest, early stuff here. There, there's this sort of hunger and desperation that just like bleeds and oozes through a lot of the writing. And it's kind of fun to see. Um, yeah. I mean, he's definitely like, he doesn't write impersonally. He writes mm-hmm. very personally. He writes like to an audience. He's, yeah. he speaks to the audience a lot. It reminds me of a lot of the forwards he writes where, you know, he calls people yeah. constant readers. Yeah. Like he's mm-hmm. always been very aware of his audience and speaking directly to his audience. And I think you can definitely see that being sort of primed here. Like, um, yeah, he does doesn't write from that sort of uh, to whom this may concern kind of it's kind of like hello audience you know the people that yeah. read me um, yeah so I guess in general if we just want to give sort of a broad um, description of of what this column really was um, he started it in I well the earliest ones we have are from February 1969 we have a few earlier pieces um, that weren't the column but the column itself um, from what I've, uh, from at least the ones that we have are February, 1969. So and yeah, that, that is the first one. So it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was like February 20th, 1969 to May 21st, 1970, according to King wiki. Cause I wondered if this was literally the first one and Bryant, you found it. I guess it, this really was the first King's garbage truck that we get. So yeah. And, um, yeah, and then, you know, May of uh, 1970 was when he graduated. So that's mm-hmm. really why it stopped. Um, and there's, we're not going to talk through all of um, the King's Garbage Truck today. We're going to talk through basically the first semester that he was doing it, which was which was basically February through the summer, um, through May. And then we're also going to talk about a couple earlier pieces that he had published um, that basically weren't affiliated with the column. But I think just to give you a, a broad idea of what, 
the column was. It was kind of whatever he wanted it to mm-hmm. be, which is a pretty incredible thing. Um, yeah. And it's it's mostly very funny. It was written um, to be funny. And it's filled with, you know, as you would expect, it's filled with lots of of the era pop culture references. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things he does that I want to talk about a lot is the way he like stumps for art that is less than respected mm-hmm. um, and kind of turns up his nose at highfalutin art. There's kind of a snobs versus slobs mentality going on in a lot of this. Um, yeah. But it's it's also very political. Uh, he talks a lot about the, the world as it's changing. Um, he mentions Chicago cops like yeah. a lot uh, because I think, you know, the Chicago 7 had happened and a lot of that other um, stuff was going on. Uh, like it was obviously dem- a very fraught time. And um, yeah. what's that, Mike? Well, yeah, because like in the August of the of 68 is when you had the Democratic convention incident yeah. that happened. So it's like... I think at that point, Chicago was on the map of being like, oh, God, what a fucking nightmare this point. Well, yeah, and it's interesting to just hear how it was kind of shorthand for, you know, political violence, uh, things of that nature. Um, And yeah, but he does all kinds of stuff. He reviews movies. He reviews books. He reviews the school's literary journal. um, And he also, uh, you know, really tackles topics of of politics and also campus politics. He talks Mm -hmm. a lot about um, various things that were happening on campus and his opinion of them. And he was very opinionated and very vocal and very unafraid to criticize like when oh, he was yeah. reviewing the school's literary journal i like felt bad for some of those kids because he's like just, and then also i think he talks about poetry at one point too that he might does. be in a uh, section that yeah. we're going to read later i don't remember mm-hmm. if it's this one but he like really trashes some people's poetry i'm just like yeah. damn son um uh, he but talks hey. about some dance recital and he's like oh. someone should find miss rayner and send her back to dancing school i know yeah, that's, that's, like, that's, me <laughs> that's so mean but it's <laughs> but you you are right Randall. And that, like, he really does come in as like an outsider. Again, no pun intended uh, to his uh, later <laughs> he work. But himself as one a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's not part of the the literati that he would be. You know that he certainly probably wanted to be at some point because um, he does kind of bite his thumb at the as you're saying like this the the pseudo intellectuals or the hyper intellectuals of that area but then he also mm-hmm. sort of is you know he has you know he also pivots and sees kind of the, the just the shittier shit of life also so i mean he is like this kind of in his own island which is one of the reasons why i think we like him so much because you know there, there's this weird sort of um I don't know. I, I do you call it bipartisan in a way, like it, where he kind of sees both sides a little bit. I almost looked at, I almost like it almost like South Park, where how like, you know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, n- not necessarily ever like pick a side. They just kind of see it ob- objectively and just show, show both of the, the, you know, kind of the, the the blemishes on both sides a little bit like i feel like he's kind of doing that with a lot of these earlier stuff but well yeah. the way that i would frame it is i think and this is this will come true throughout the entirety of the garbage truck we'll talk about um the other sections later because one of the things we do see in these columns throughout the entirety is an evolution of his political beliefs oh, um yeah. especially yeah. cuz we're going to start with a piece he wrote in 1967 when he was probably a sophomore um or around that and uh and that is a very different tone than where he would end up later and obviously the vietnam war was going on uh during this time and i think one of the things that speaks to the quote-unquote bipartisanship that you're mentioning mike is that politics were weird back then like that was sort of when it was like to be a democrat and to be uh, conservative to be liberal to be um, or you know Democrat Republican any of that it was it's it wasn't as like you know cut down the center like it is today like today things mm-hmm. are so hyper partisan yeah. um, that 
it's it's and it was you know it was a very politically fraught time back then too but one of the things he struggles with as this goes on is that he identifies himself as a conservative and he is basically just like but what i believe is putting me on the other side um Mm -hmm. like and and he goes i think that i'm believing in the idea of what it was to be a conservative where i grew up and the world is changing and with that my views are like my views are sort of being perceived as something that they wouldn't have 10 years ago so i think that's like so he has a lot of and he and you're right though too in that uh, he is very open-minded um, mm-hmm. for the most mm-hmm. part. There's a couple articles, some that we'll get into in another episode that are just like very intense, very, um, you know, hand slamming on the desk. This is what I believe. Uh, but and there's maybe a, a little bit of that here, but we can talk more about that. But yeah, for the most part, it's a very balanced perspective. Um, and it's, and, and I because I think first and foremost, he understood that he wanted this column to be fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that he didn't want to like alienate people too much, although occasionally he gets on his high horse. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, cause, yeah. Because because one of the things that's so interesting is that you know when we look back at like what our um, you know our studying and, and our education is of American history, right? We usually stop right before the Vietnam War. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, we get into World War II, that's our big finish, and then all of a sudden we're like glossing over Korean War, and then we get into Vietnam War, and yada yada yada. And it really is Americans, especially our generation, and going forward those that didn't get to actually live through like the sixties and seventies, it's really kind of informed by like what we see in either, you know, film and pop culture and a lot of the, the writings of that time. And what I've always wondered and what I've, what I've, you know, especially having gone into the nitty gritty, when you get into college, you actually get to learn more about those times because God forbid the American education system acknowledges its blemishes. Mm. Um, <laughs> they, you know, you, you really do see how tumultuous it was. Like, you know, the pictures don't do it justice. The descriptions don't do it justice. Documentaries don't really do it justice. Like it's, it's exhausting because, you know, nowadays when everyone's like, oh God, this is the worst it's ever been. You look back at like 1968, which, you know, many historians and even then at the time were saying this is the most violent year in the 20th, 20th century America. It's fucking crazy. Like it's like mm-hmm. every, like I was looking through like, you know, I, I'm a student of history. So, or, um, you know, scholar of history because that's I got my degree in. But like even when you go back after studying it for so long, it's just astounding to go from month to month of even just the one year in 1968. And just to see how much fucking crazy, chaotic shit was happening across American streets all over the, the, the country. And so when you think about all that context, my you know question in my head has always been like, what must it have been like to fucking grow up then as, yeah. at all ages? And especially as a college student and you know talking to my father, I mean, he would tell me it was just so unpredictable. I mean, like he would have to like, get weird teaching gigs so you could, you know, skip the draft. And he just said that it was just so hard to study because at, the, at, at every moment you always felt like your life was falling, you know, and the, 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 the carpet was being pulled from beneath you. And reading King here, especially when you go from like 67 in which he does lean in on the, that conservative sort of upbringing that you're talking about, mm-hmm. Randall. Yeah. And then you go right into his real column in 68 and he's starting to, the, you know, the wheels are starting to unravel it's almost like watching like a happy days episode because you're like kind of seeing like this, like there's an episode of happy days where it makes me realize this, where like Richie kind of has to contend with his political beliefs. And it's like, he kind of disengages from what his parents believe and what he uh, ultimately believes. And you're kind of seeing that with King here. 
And yeah. it's, that's probably, I mean, as you're just discussing, especially as we go through all of these, um, you know, seminar, uh, semester after semester, that's probably going to be the biggest arc, right? Like it's just yeah, this kind of, I think so. so. So it is interesting to get like a really kind of front of the lines glimpse of what is arguably the most chaotic chapter in American history. And I, for me, that's for, as a, as someone who loves history, that is really what makes this so much more um, intriguing, even beyond just looking at King's prose. So, 